Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. All right, well, welcome once again, as always, to our Wednesday night Bible study here at River of Life. As many of you hopefully know, we are going through a short, um, probably about an eight-week study in uh, the five-fold ministry. The passage that we're going to be looking at is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Now, in the first part of the study, we are walking through the five different gifts that Christ gave to the church. Uh, last week, we started looking at apostles. We only made it halfway through. And so tonight, we are going to uh, look at the second half of that lesson and hopefully answer uh, a lot of the questions that uh, you may have. As always, we'll try to get through as quick as we can. And then once the YouTube is over, we'll open it up for some uh, Q&A. Our, our passage, of course, we'll just look at two verses, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. And as I said, last week we started looking at the first one, and we will finish that up tonight. Now, as we said last week, a lot of the confusion around the question of what, are there apostles in the church today, a lot of the, the, the confusion revolves around the use of the word apostle. In fact, one of the things that I see when I read is a lot of people that keep using that word have no idea what that word uh, really means. That's a Princess Bride uh, reference if some of y'all... If some of y'all don't get that. So what we did is we went back to the original Greek word for uh, apostle, which is apostolos. And apo meaning uh, out and stolos meaning sin. So basically, an apostle is one that is sent out. So the, the, an easy way to remember it is just the sent ones or ones who are sent. Now, remember... In that day, today it's a church word, right? But in that day, it was just a very common Greek word. You could apply it to a ship that had been sent out on a mission. Uh, you could say that ship was an apostle. You could apply it to an admiral who had a whole fleet of ships that maybe had been sent out on a mission for a, a king. You could apply it to an envoy or an emissary of a king. It was just a really standard Greek word, but the writers of the New Testament took this Greek word and applied it to those who are sent out by God or sent out by the uh, by the church, but that's all apostle means is sent ones or ones who are sent. Now, the term apostle is used multiple ways in the New Testament, and this is what really causes a lot of people to go in the wrong direction. Uh, the example I used last week, if you'll remember, is the example of our word love. I can say I love my wife, I love my tractor, I love the way that looks, I'd love to see you there. That's four different uses of love means four different things. It's all based in context. So when we look at the word apostle, to understand what they're talking about, it, you have to look at it in context. You just can't say, well, there's the word apostle, it means this. That's not the way language works, not the way English works, and it's not the way that, that Greek works. So what we did last week is we said, okay, there are four ways that the word apostle is used 
in the New Testament. And I'm going to go over the three, first three very quickly, and then we're going to get to the fourth and spend most of our time on that tonight. Uh, the first way is the word apostle is, refer, is used to refer to Jesus himself. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 2 says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession who was faithful to him who appointed him. So Jesus is referred to as an apostle. He is a sent one. Who's he sent by? The Father. What's his mission? To seek and save the lost, to uh, give his life a ransom for many, to atone for our sins. And he was faithful uh, to do what the Father had uh, appointed him uh, to do. So he is the perfect apostle, right? Um, so that's one way that it's used. The second way that it's used, uh, we might call this kind of the lowest way, is just to refer to a messenger, um, one that's sent on a mission. So uh, I gave you several examples. For example, Epaphroditus was one of these, but the, the one good example is in 2 Corinthians 8.23. There's two unnamed brothers. They, we don't know who they are. They're just two brothers. And Paul writes this, he says, as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, referring to those two unnamed brothers, they are apostles of the churches, the glory of Christ. Now, the ESV translates it messengers, which I think is a, is a very good translation, but the Greek word there is apostle. Now, in the strictest sense of the word, they are apostles. They are ones sent out on a mission. But if you read it in context, what was their mission? Their mission was to collect money from the church and deliver it to the saints at Jerusalem. So, yes, they were apostles. They were sent on a mission. But it's not in the same sense that is used in Ephesians 4.11 where it says, uh, you know, to equip the saints for ministry. Everybody with me? It's a different type of use. And that's why, by the way, a lot of the English translations do not translate it apostle. Because the word apostle has a certain connotation. So they try to help you out by translating it messenger, which I think is a very good, a very good translation. The third way the word apostle is used, and we looked at this last week, was to refer to the office of apostle. Now, as I showed last week, there are, there is a select group of men in the New Testament who are chosen by Jesus himself, sent out by Jesus himself to serve as his original uh, apostles. Now, you can find the complete list in Luke chapter 6, and you can find all the names uh, of the original 12. As we all know, uh, Judas Iscariot abdicated his, uh, uh, his title or, or his position through treachery and, and eventually his suicide. He is replaced by Matthias, and then, of course, we also have the, the 13th, which would be uh, the Apostle Paul. Now, there were three prerequisites, three requirements to being one of these apostles with a capital A. That's a, one way I like to refer to them. An apostle had to have seen the resurrected Jesus. An apostle had to be selected or chosen and sent by Jesus. And an apostle was given the ability to perform signs and wonders. Those were the, the three things that set them apart. Now, what was their mission? Their mission was to found, organize, and equip the church on earth. I want you for a moment to go back, if, you, if we could in our memory, I'd love to be able to just sit there and watch it, the day of Pentecost. There are tw 120 people in the upper room. 120. Which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Jesus has three years of ministry on this earth. And he dies and he's got 120 people. 
That's not very many, is it? 120 people. By the end of that day, they had 5,120. You remember the Spirit falls, Peter goes out and preaches, and 5,000 people get saved. So at the end of that day, you got 5,120 people. Now what do you do? I mean, just think about it. We, we all, we just take it for granted. Well, you go to church and you got Bible study. They don't, they didn't have any scripture written as yet. They didn't, they didn't know anything about do we meet? How often do we meet? When do we meet? How do we, how do we, nobody knew anything. So it was their job to literally found that church, organize it, and equip it to function. Which, and, and that's why, and it took about 30 years. From about 30 A.D. to somewhere around 60 A.D. And uh, that's why the book of Acts is so fascinating. Because the book of Acts basically is, is showing what they did in the first three decades of the church. So what kind of things they did? Well, they spread the gospel. They worked miracles. They received revelation directly from God. They planted churches. They appointed elders. They, uh, they oversaw those churches. They dealt with controversies. They, they were the final authority on doctrine. If, if somebody didn't know what to do, they got together, they made a decision, and that's what everybody did. So they had a lot going on in those early days. And by the way, they completed their mission. They did what they were sent to do. This is why Paul in Ephesians 2 says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. You don't, you don't build a foundation over and over and over again. You build it once. They built the foundation. They completed their mission. They're, they're done, right? So when we ask a question, are there apostles like that, in the church today, the answer is clearly no. No, there are no apostles like that. There are no apostles receiving divine revelation. It's one thing to, to receive illumination. Do you see the difference? The Holy Spirit will illuminate the Scriptures, but getting revelation, there's nobody doing that today. There's nobody working miracles at, at the level that those guys did. You remember what it says in Acts 19? It says God worked unusual miracles by Paul extraordinary miracles by Paul to prove who he, that his message was, uh, was, was valid. So there's no, they're, they're, not, they're not doing that. There's no men out there making doctrinal statements that the church has to go by because we've got the Word of God. So they laid the foundation. There are no more apostles like that. They were unique in their calling, and they were unique in their mission. Now, we refer to them as the office of apostle. And, and we do that because everybody recognizes those guys. Like I said last week, if I ask you to name the apostles, you may not name them all, but I guarantee you they come out of that group. Everybody knows those, those guys were apostles, not only then, but even still today. So though, that office of apostle was fulfilled or filled by those men. Now, there are five other men in the New Testament who are called apostles. Five men. Now, here's the thing, and, and I, I don't want to point this out. In each one of those cases, they are called apostles exactly one time. One time. In the entire New Testament, those five men, each one of them is called apostle one time. So, clearly, a big deal is not made about it. It's not that. Nobody's saying, oh, this guy's an apostle or that. They just kind of say it in passing, as you'll see here in, in just a minute. Now, these men are Barnabas, uh, Silvanus, who we know as Silas, 
uh, Timothy, Apollo, and James, the brother of Jesus. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with James first because he's the hardest. He's the, he's the outlier. He's the one that's really hard to figure out. The other four uh, are, are pretty clear in, in what they do, but, but James is a little bit uh, different. Now, let me... And, and what I'm going to do for each, as I said, each one of these five men are called an apostle once. So I'm going to give you context for each one of them. I'm not just going to give you the scripture. I'm going to give you the context of that scripture. In John 7, 5, uh, the apostle John says, even his brothers, talking about Jesus' brothers, didn't believe in him. Now, as best we can tell, that statement was made about six months before Jesus is crucified. So, so here we are, two and a half years into the ministry of Jesus, uh, and, and James and his brothers don't believe in their own brother. Now, now you can kind of understand that, right? I mean, this, they grew up with the guy. They played kick the rock or whatever they played back then. And then one day he walks up and says, I'm the son of God. You'd be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> right? I mean, so you can kind of understand these guys having a hard time believing in him until the resurrected Jesus appears to James. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Uh, That's Paul calling it out. So he appears, the resurrected Jesus appears to his brother. And that seems to... Now, whether he was saved before that or at that time, we don't know. What we do know is that on the day of Pentecost, he's in the upper room. He is one of the 120. It says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So they saw the resurrected Jesus. That changed everything. They are in the upper room. Okay, so they're there when the, when the Holy Spirit falls. They're there uh, when the 5,000 are saved. Now, let's go forward about seven years to about 37 A.D., Peter, I mean, Paul tells of going up to Jerusalem. Um, He's writing in Galatians, and he's telling what happened. Again, this would have been about seven years after the day of Pentecost. He says, And after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, or Peter, and I remained with him 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. That's it right there. That's the only reference you'll find in the New Testament. In passing, I saw none of the other apostles except... James, the Lord's brother. So obviously, Paul thinks he's an apostle. But that's that's it. You don't ever hear anybody else call him an apostle. You don't hear any other reference to him as an apostle. Now, what we do know is that he quickly became a leader of the church. Some 12 years after that, around 49 AD, there's a big stink comes up in the church. Their first real big controversy. Uh, there's a bunch of Gentiles or Greeks been saved at a town called Antioch in, up in Syria. And uh, we'll come back to that actually in just a little bit. And some Jews come to these Gentiles and say, look, if you really want to be saved, you got to be circumcised. If you're not circumcised, you cannot be, you're, you're, not, you're not saved. And man, there was a bunch of debate about this, whether Gentiles had to be circumcised. So they call what's called the Jerusalem Council. So all the apostles and all the elders of the church get together. 
And you can read about that in Acts 15. Uh, Peter gets up and says, uh, God who knows the heart bore witness to them, gave them the Holy Spirit just like he did to us. And Peter says, we believe that we'll be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. And then uh, Paul and Barnabas begin to tell about all the wonderful things that's been done among the Gentiles. And at the end, James says this, brothers, listen to me. And then he goes on and says, therefore, my judgment is, and everybody agreed. So here's this, whether he's a, a, an apostle like Paul or not, we don't know. Um, but he is certainly uh, high, high up in the church. In fact, in Galatians, when Paul mentions uh, three apostles, James, Peter, and John, he mentions James first. Actually puts in, I don't know whether that means anything, but he had very, Paul had very, very high regard. So here's the question. Would we consider James an, an apostle with a capital A? Would we consider him an apostle like Paul that fulfills the office? We just don't know. There's just not enough information to know. We know he was a leader of the Jerusalem church. We know that he made doctrinal judgments, as we just saw, or at least was the spokesman for the church. The biggest thing he's got going for him is he wrote Scripture. That's a pretty big deal, right? Um, it doesn't make you an apostle. For example, uh, uh, Luke and Mark wrote Gospels. They're not apostles. But certainly it's a big deal that he wrote uh, Scripture. On the other hand, we have no evidence that he was commissioned or sent by Jesus. We have no evidence that he performed miracles. Not saying he didn't. We just don't have any documented. And when he did have a chance to call himself an apostle, when he wrote his letter, he just said this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't, didn't call himself apostle. So, James, we don't know. There's, there's not much we can glean uh, from him. But now these other four, we absolutely can. And this brings us to the fourth use of the apostle, and the one we're going to focus on tonight, and the one that's going to be prevalent here at River of Life, and that is the gift of an apostle or the gift of apostleship. Now, you may ask me, well, what's the difference between an office and a gift? Well, here's the difference. An office is, is a position that someone can hold in the church, and everybody recognizes that. So you might be an elder, and everybody recognizes that that, that person is an elder. All the other believers see that. A gift is different. You can have a gift without having an office. For example, you may have the gift of evangelism, or you may have a gift of teaching, but that doesn't mean you're, you have an office. Everybody with me? It, you, you can have a gift and not have an official office. These four men had a gift. I don't think any of them had an official office. They, they certainly don't belong in that group like Paul and, and Peter and James and John and those guys. But they are each one of these called apostles. And it's from these four men that we can learn what it means to be an apostle in the modern church. So I'm going to start with Barnabas. And he's called an apostle in Acts 14.14. 14. And I'll get there in just a minute, but I want to show you the context. So Barnabas, you first meet Barnabas in Acts chapter 4. And it's not even his real name. His real name is Joseph. But he is such an encourager that the apostles immediately just recognize in him, wow, man, this guy's something special. And they say, we're not going to call you uh, Joseph anymore. We're going to call you Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So he must have been... To, to be renamed like that, he must just have been an incredible encourager. We don't see him again until Acts chapter 9. This is where Paul has been saved. 
And y'all remember Paul, man, he's, he's throwing people in prison, murdering people, putting them in jail, doing all kinds of things. He gets saved. He comes to Jerusalem, and he wants to meet everybody, and everybody's running the other way. Nobody will have anything to do with him except one guy, Barnabas. So Barnabas, when nobody else would talk to him, when nobody else would have anything to do with him, Barnabas went and took him and, and took him to meet uh, the uh, apostles. That's in Acts chapter uh, 9. Now, when we get to Acts chapter 11, this is really a really good chapter and really interesting. It says this, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. Everybody remember Stephen? He's stoned in Jerusalem by the Jews, and this big persecution arises, and a lot of people just had to flee. They had to get out of town or they were going to be killed. It says, uh, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Antioch, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Now, I want to point something out. These guys aren't apostles. Nobody sent them anywhere. They were running for their life. But let me tell you, they shared the Lord Jesus. When they go, how they go, where they go. They just shared the Lord Jesus. And, and God blessed that. Um, it says, the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So here's these guys. They're on the run. They, they, they're witnessing to people. Everybody's getting saved, and these guys are thinking, what do we do now? We, we don't know any. We're not apostles. We're not prophets. We're not any of it. What do we do? Well, the good news is it says a report of it came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And it says a great many people were added to the Lord. So they sent Barnabas down to Antioch, up to Antioch and said, go up there and, and oversee what's going on. Edify the believers, teach them, organize them, getting, get, get, you know, get a meeting together, kind of get everything together. And so Barnabas went to Antioch and did that. And there was so much work to do, he couldn't get it all done. So it tells us in Acts 11, he went to Tarsus, which is right around the corner in Turkey, and he found Paul there, and he brought him back to Antioch, and it says they stood there, they sat there for a whole year, uh, meeting with the church, and taught a great many people. Now, let me tell you, you can already see why Barnabas is called an apostle, right? He's sent by the church in Jerusalem. Who was he sent? To the church in Antioch. What was his mission? To build up the believers, to strengthen the believers, to teach the believers, to edify the believers. So you can already see why he would be called an apostle or one who is sent. But about a year goes by, and it says in Acts 13, while they, talking about the church at Antioch, were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after praying and fasting, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So here we've got Paul and Barnabas. They're going to be apostles. Why? They're being sent. Who are they sent by? The church at Antioch. What's the mission? To go into unchurched areas and preach the gospel. So this is their first missionary journey. You can see in the uh, kind of in the middle right, that's the city of Antioch. It's in, uh, it's in Syria. Uh, the red line is their outgoing. They went down across the island of Cyprus, went up into the Roman uh, provinces of, La- of Lycia and Galatia. There's another town up there called Antioch, and then they went to Iconium, Lystra, and a town called uh, Derby. Okay, so they're on this journey. So here's Barnabas. Again, he's being sent by the Spirit through the church. His mission is to take the gospel to unreached people, and he is commissioned or authorized by the church by the laying on of hands. 
So you can see why he would be called an apostle. And that's what Luke calls him in Acts 14. When, when Paul and Barnabas get to Lystra, there's a guy there that's never walked. He's been lame from the day he was born. Everybody in town knows him. And Paul was preaching, and it says Paul set his eyes on that man and perceived that he had the faith to be healed. And Paul said, get up and walk, and he did. And when he did that, it says the people lifted up their voices and said, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Now, here's the only time Barnabas is called an apostle. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their garments, went out in the crowd, crowd saying, no, you know, don't do that. We're, we're men just like you are. After they left Lystra, by the way, Paul is stoned there, left for dead. They leave there. They go to Iconium and Antioch. Watch what they're doing. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, appointing elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord. So here's what Barnabas is doing as an apostle. He's taking the gospel to unchurched areas. He's preaching and teaching. He's making disciples. He's planting churches. He's strengthening and encouraging, appointing elders, practicing oversight. Doing the, he's, that's what he's doing, and he is called an apostle. Now, let's look at two more men, very, very similar story, uh, are called apostle, and that is Silas and Timothy. They're called an apostle in 1 Thessalonians 2.6. And I know I'm giving you a lot of detail, but I want you to see the context because it's going to be important. Just hold on. Uh, and they're called an apostle in 1 Thessalonians 2.6. So how did they, how did it get to that point? Well, after a while, First missionary journey's over. Paul decides, he comes to Barnabas and he says, hey, let's go back on that trip where we went and let's go visit those churches and check them out, make sure they're doing okay. And this is where they had a big brouhaha. They had a big disagreement. Now, I love that, by the way, that Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement because it just shows they weren't perfect either. I just love that. They weren't perfect either. You see, Barnabas wanted to take a young man named Mark with him. And Paul said, ain't no way. We took him on the last journey, and he went back home. He got homesick for his mama. I ain't taking him. And so they start arguing, which is basically what happened. They start arguing. So, uh, so what happened, it says this, Barnabas took Mark and sailed away with him to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So here's his second missionary journey. He leaves again from Antioch in the upper right. Uh, he goes around to Tarsus, which is Paul's hometown. He goes back through Derby and Corinth. Now, that little cluster of towns right there where I've got the green arrow, that's where he picks up a young man named Timothy. So he comes to this little cluster of towns, and there's a, there's a, a, a Jewish woman there, and uh, her, uh, her husband was a Greek, and they had a son named Timothy. So he was half Greek and half, half Jewish, but he was well spoken of. Everybody said, man, this, is, this guy's the real deal. And so Paul says, I want to take Timothy with him. Now, this is interesting. Now, I want you to keep in mind, Timothy, in just a bit, is going to be called an apostle. And he just gets picked up, right? He, I mean, he's not even in the original plans. they just like, hey, you want to go with us? Sure. But the fact is, he's on this missionary journey. So they they go back through the churches. They, they go to Antioch. But instead of turning around, they keep going. They go to a town called Troas. They go up to Philippi, which we all know. Uh, and then they come to a town called Thessalonica. 
Okay, and, and I'll show you why I'm telling. Now, in Thessalonica, they're preaching and they're making some, some disciples, and all of a sudden, this huge uh, riot breaks out. Some of the Jews get jealous of Paul. They, they kind of instigate this big riot, and Paul literally has to leave town uh, hidden to get out of town, or they're going to kill him. Okay? I mean, they're literally going to kill him. So they, they wanted to stay longer. They would have liked to stay, stay there a little bit longer and helped them out and taught them, but they had to leave, so they didn't get to spend as much time as they would like. They went to a town called Berea, and then they went to Athens, which is, you know, Athens, Greece. And while they're there, Paul says, you know what I'm going to do? I, I didn't get to spend enough time in Thessalonica. I'm going to write them a letter. So he sits down and he writes First Thessalonians. And he gives it to Timothy and Silas, and he says, go back. Paul can't go, because if he shows up, it's going to be a riot. So he sends Timothy and Silas with that letter, and he sends them back to Thessalonica. This is that letter. The opening verse says this, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. And then chapter 2, verse 6, he says this, Nor did we seek glory from people whether from you or from others, although we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. So Paul includes Silas and Timothy in with him as apostles. Now, Paul doesn't mean as apostle with a capital A. He means apostles as those who are sent out on a mission. Are you with me? That's, he, 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 we're all on a mission to take the gospel to unchurched people. So, like Barnabas, they just accompanied Paul on a missionary journey. What did they do? They took the gospel to unchurched cities, people that had never heard the gospel before. They preached, they taught, they made disciples, they, they planted churches, they appointed elders, they, they strengthened the brethren, they practiced oversight. They did all those types of, of things. Now, one more. This is a guy by the name of, of Apollos. He's called a Apostle one time in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 4 9. Now, Apollos was from Alexandria, Egypt, and he came over to Ephesus, okay? And he's in Ephesus and he's teaching and all this, and he wants to go to Corinth, which is a town that Paul started a church in, but Paul left. So he wants to go over and help the believers. So it says this the brothers encouraged him, they wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who, through grace, had believed. So he comes to this little fledgling church that Paul had started, and he comes in as kind of this leader, and he, he teaches them, he, he, uh, he, he kind of oversees and makes sure they're being strengthened uh, in everything. In 1 Corinthians, when Paul writes his first letter, he says this, What is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Now, here's where he's called an apostle. And notice, it's just in passing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles. Again, grouping Apollos in with him, us apostles. Now, again, what did Apollos do? He was sent by the church at Ephesus to Corinth. He was, going, he was supposed to disciple believers, strengthen them, uh, encourage them, edify them, build up the church. And he was called an apostle. So these, those four men, they would have what we call the gift of an apostle. They're not looped in or, or grouped in with those main 13, but they are sent. 
What do they do? They plant churches. They, they appoint elders. Sometimes you'll hear them referred to as apostles of the churches, but we would just refer to it as a gift of apostle. Now, here's the question. Are there still apostles like that in the church today? Absolutely. You mean men who plant churches? You mean people who go into an unchurched area and, and preach and they, they, they plant a church and they appoint elders over that church and they oversee that and make sure everything's running good? Is that what you mean? Yeah, we just call them missionaries, church planners. You see, we still have ones that are sent out today, don't we? We just don't call them apostles. We call them missionaries. We call them church planners. Now, some of you right now are saying, wait, what? Is that, is that what an apostle is? Well, let me give you, let me give you a couple th- ways to think about it so you, maybe it'll become a little clearer to you. So here's something. Are missionaries a new thing? Did we just start having missionaries in the 1700s or the 1800s? No. No, missionaries have always been in the church. I went out and did some research, and I could, there's no way I could give you all the stuff. I'm going to give you one thing from each century, over 2,000 years. I'm going to give you just one thing. In 48 A.D., Paul and Barnabas depart on their very first missionary journey. In 167 A.D., two missionaries by the name of Fuganus and Duvanius were sent to convert the Britons to Christianity. In 250 A.D., a guy by the name of Dennis was sent from Rome, along with six other missionaries, to establish the church in Paris. In 328 A.D., a guy by the name Frumentius took the gospel to Ethiopia. In 430 A.D., this guy by the name of Ninian became the first known Christian missionary in Scotland, and a guy by the name of Patrick went to Ireland as a missionary. In 541 A.D., Julian from Constantinople began evangelizing Nubia, a region along the Nile River, accompanied by an Egyptian named Theodore. In 689 A.D., pagans killed an Irish missionary named Killian near Würzburg in what is now Germany. 740 A.D., Irish missionaries reached the land or reach Iceland. 828, the first missionaries reached what is now uh, the Czech Republic. 900 A.D., missionaries reached Norway. 1,000 A.D., a guy by the name of Bruno of Cufert was beheaded in Prussia, where he had gone as a missionary. 1252 A.D., William of Rubric began his mission to the Mongols. 1323 A.D., a missions are established in Sumatra, Java, and Borneo. 1491, the Congo saw its first missionaries arrive. 1506 to 1520, mission work began in Mozambique and Haiti. 1617 A.D., missionaries arrive in what is now known as Vietnam. 1725, a guy by the name of Nude Leem arrived as a missionary to the Sami people of Finnmark, uh, which is uh, the Norwegian Arctic. 1805, first Christian missionaries arrive in Namibia. 1923, Scottish missionaries begin to work in British Togoland. 2004, four Southern Baptist missionaries are killed by gunmen in Iraq. We've always had missionaries. There's always been men and women taking the gospel to unchurched areas, to people who have never heard it before, every century. That's just a few of them. So they've always been there. But now here's the thing. You go open your Bible and you search for the word missionary and guess what you'll find? What do you find? You'll get no hits. 
The word missionary is the word that we use, but it's nowhere in the Bible. But yet, if you go to the Bible, who's doing the mission work? It's the apostles. It's the apostles who are going out. They're the ones. I remember uh, going down years ago to a, a mission in Mexico. There was an Indian guy by the name of Chaco. Y'all know Chaco, right? You know Chaco's last name is Thomas. And I said to Chaco, how did you get a name like Thomas? And he said, oh, well, everybody knows that the, the uh, Apostle Thomas went to India. So they got all these Thomases in India tracking all the way back to the Apostle Thomas, which is where he was supposed to have gone. Listen, the apostles have always done that. But you won't find, like I said, the word missionary because it's the apostles who are doing that work. Let me give you a look at it a different way, okay? Right there is the list of the gifts that he gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Where's the missionaries? Where's the church planners? Did he forget them? I mean, we got to have them, right? Listen, evangelists don't go in and plant churches. Evangelists preach the gospel and move on. It's not, it's not the, the, the prophets aren't planting churches. The, the teachers aren't planting churches. The shepherds aren't planting. Who in the world in that list is going into areas, planting churches, appointing elders, providing oversight? Who is this doing all that? It's the apostles. They're the ones doing it. It's difficult for us to grasp because in our mind, we hear the word apostle, we immediately, we can't help it, we immediately think Peter, James, John, Paul, all those. And then we think missionaries are all about, you know, kind of our thing, but no. They're one and the same. Now, you may ask, okay, well, if these men you know, are apostles with a lowercase a, how are these men different from those that fulfilled the office of apostle? Well, let me go back to men like Paul and look at some of the things. What did he do? He spread the gospel. He worked miracles. He was given special power to work miracles. He received revelation directly from God. He planted churches. He appointed and mentored elders, provided oversight of the churches, dealt with controversies, were the final authority on doctrine. Well, what do these other men like Apollos Barnabas, Silas, Timothy. Well, they're not working the miracles. Now, I'm not saying miracles didn't occur. Not saying that. I'm just saying those original 12 and 13 were given a special divine miracle working power because they had to prove who they were. Remember what we said last week? Anybody can say they've met Jesus. Anybody can say they've been sent by Jesus. But not just anybody can prove it with signs, wonders, and, and, and miracles. So, so these men aren't working miracles to that extent. They're also not receiving revelation. Right? Because these, this is coming through the apostles, Paul, and these others. It's not coming through these men. And they're also, they're not the final authority on doctrine. Especially today, because we've got the Word of God. So what would those apostles do? They spread the gospel, they plant churches, they appoint men or elders, they provide oversight, and they deal with controversies. Now, you might ask, well, what is the, for those that have this gift today, what is their mission? Well, it's the same, right? You plant new ministries and in, in, in churches in unchurched areas. You, you reach across cultures to establish churches in challenging environments. You know, we think about missionaries going to 
you know, Africa, or we think about missionaries going to, uh, you know, to Europe or to Papua New Guinea. But sometimes a missionary can go three blocks over into the inner city. There's nobody over there preaching the gospel. If you watch some of the surveys now, they're stopping people on the street and just asking them, and they don't know nothing. They might as well have grown up in another country. They, they don't know nothing about church. They don't know nothing about Jesus. They don't know nothing about the gospel. The mission field is right here. It is white to the harvest. The, 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 their mission would be to establish these churches, to raise up and develop elders, and again, practice oversight. The very same mission that men like Timothy and Silas and Apollos and Barnabas had those years ago. Now, a couple things. Should we use the term apostle today? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. In fact, let me just say this. If somebody comes to you and they need to be called apostle, you get away from them. Let me tell you, when you have a gift, the, 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 the reward is the gift, not the title. You don't need the title. When somebody needs the title, it's probably because he ain't gotten a gift. So if somebody wants to come in and say, I'm an apostle and I want you to call me apostle, go the other way. Get away from them as quick as you can. You don't need to be anywhere around those kind of people. A, a true Someone with a true gift of apostleship does not need to be titled because it's just, it's, it's, I mean, my goodness, they've been given, what an honor. What an honor to have that, that gift. Should we use the term today? No. And the reason is because a lot of people don't understand the things that we've covered. They don't understand the word apostle or the term is used in different ways. So when you say apostle, they immediately think, Receiving revelation, making doctrinal statements, working unusual. We don't need to go there. Okay, I just think it's, it's, it's not a good idea to use uh, that term today just because of the confusion that it causes. So we just use terms we're familiar with. They're, they're missionaries, they're church planners, they're, they're those types of things. Now, I want to cover this and then we'll, uh, we'll pray and then open it up for Q&A. How does this relate to River of Life? <clears throat> if we want to have a five-fold ministry here at River of Life, we want to have somebody that has the gift of apostleship. Well, who is that person going to be? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. You see, we've got a man in this church who planted River of Life. We've got a man in this church who had a vision to establish a church in the center of the county, inner, inner, uh, uh, interracial, interdenominational spirit field, and he did it. We've got a man who established this church who appointed the elders in this church. You may not know this, but the el- there's no voting here because you don't find any voting in the New Testament. It's not the way it works. Every elder in this church was appointed. And then let me tell you, we got a man who planted this church, appointed the elders of this church, and I cannot tell you over the last 20 years how many controversies he's dealt with. How many people have come into this church trying to take church, the church the way they wanted it to go? And this man had to stand firm and say, no, this is what God has called River of Life to be. And we've got a man, of course, that has provided oversight in this church for uh, 20 plus years. So we certainly want Pastor Henry to continue to fulfill this role, uh, to continue for as long as he can, 
and as long as he will. Now, we're not going to call him apostle because we just said we're not going to do that. So when he moves on from, uh, from the uh, senior pastor, maybe we give him a title like founding pastor or, or something like that. But he, as long as he wants to stay here and provide that, that apostolic gifting um, and keep doing, he's, he's welcome to stay here and do that. And we believe that somewhere down the line when he moves on, and this is something the board will be praying about, we believe that God will raise up another. God will raise up another. It's his gifts to give. And we absolutely believe that he will do that. So that's the first thing. So we've got that apostolic gift already. You know, one of the things I don't think many people understand, we talk about moving in this direction. We've been moving in this direction for 20 years. We've been moving in this direction for 20 We didn't even know it sometimes. We were so dumb you know, God just had to hit us up head, upside the head with a club sometimes to get us to move. But he's been moving us in this direction for a long, long time. The second thing, how about can we become a church who sends out? Not just a church that has someone sent to us, but what about becoming a church that actually sends out? How, how about a church that makes it a priority to raise up young men and women who will go out and, and be apostles? Can you imagine, yeah, we're sent, who you sent by, River of Life? What's your mission? To convert inner cities, to convert this, to do this, to establish churches. We can do that. We can make that a priority, and I think it's all part of this this apostolic uh, gifting. The third thing, and I just want to say this, we will not, not, ever allow anybody to step in these doors, say they're apostle, and somehow we just turn over the keys and say, yeah, here you go. That's never going to happen. Okay, so, so if, you, if, it's, if it's ever made you a little bit nervous that somehow people's going to come in saying they're, no, you ain't got to worry about none of that. I told Pastor Henry, to, I said, look, if you like what we did in 2023, you'll like what we do in 2024 and 2025. Nothing's going nothing's to change along those uh, lines. And so that's kind of a, you know, I don't want to be harsh, Right. But let me just tell you, there's some craziness going on out there. There's craziness going on out there, okay? We, we're going to do it God's way. We're not going to do it man's way. We're going to do it, we're going to do it God's way. And we, uh, as I said, we believe with everything that's in us that God has brought us to this point. And we're going to be very careful. We're going to do it slowly. And we're going to do it very uh, thoughtfully. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the gifts that you've given River of Life. Even when we didn't even know, we didn't know what to call them. We didn't, we didn't even know how to label it. The fact is, Lord, you've always been working uh, in this church. Um, I believe that you're raising up River of Life, not just as another church uh, here in, in this area, but as the church for this area. God, that something something wonderful is is coming and and it's our job our responsibility to to walk in the spirit to listen to the spirit to hear the spirit and do it your way god give us grace to do it because that's the only way it's going to be done is through your grace we thank you we love you and we'll give you the praise for all you do in jesus name amen uh we'll come back next week and we'll be looking at the uh second uh gifting which is the prophets so Okay.
Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.